Facebook famously determined that if a new member invited 10 friends within 14 days, they were hooked for life. So they focused religiously on driving the user experience to this key metric. If you apply this product-based approach to B2B sales, then you can identify those users that are ready to talk. And this method is known as the Product Qualified Lead, or PQL. So if you sell in a freemium, open source, or trial model, then the PQL method is critical to give your sales team visibility into who is ready to talk. So talk to your data team, or better yet, partner with Whaler's team of data scientists to develop a PQL model tailored specifically for your business. You'll be empowered by knowing exactly when a user is ready to convert. To see specific examples, go to getwhaler.com forward slash Andy. That's G-E-T-W-H-A-L-R dot com forward slash Andy. And as a bonus, if you sign up to learn more about Whaler and PQLs, then Whaler will send you their optimized two-page master services contract that you can leverage for your own business free of charge. It's time to accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to another edition of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Now, before we get to the show, Bridget and I have a favor to ask of you. I'd really appreciate it. If you took time right now to leave a review for this show on iTunes, and while you're there, click the button, subscribe to Accelerate, make sure you get Frontline Friday automatically each week. Also, we need to hear from you. More specifically, we need your sales questions. I mean, what can we answer for you? What challenges do you have that we can help you with? So go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline and enter your question there. Each month, we're going to select one listener's question to be the question of the month. And the winner will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. So remember, go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline to give us your question and maybe win 50 bucks. So Bridget, how are you today? As usual, I'm doing great. Great, great, great. I'm doing fantastic. And where are you today? Today I'm in Boston. Yes, I'm not doing as much back and forth. I was in Tel Aviv not too long ago, but back in Boston, it's starting to get a little chilly. Isn't that nice? So it is sort of nice. I'm I'm surprised that I'm saying that given um, my California roots, but it's there's something about the change of seasons that's actually um, really nice, just kind of entering a different stage. So I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, we, we had, as I'm, you know, your weather in Boston, not too different than New York City. And in Manhattan, yeah, we had this extended summer. I mean, October was hot. And I was just like, even though, like you, I'm mostly from California, but been in New York long enough now that psychologically it's like, okay, well, it's our first of October rolls around. You want to start cooling down. And it's, it's, you look outside and on like an overcast day, it looks like it's cold. But you walk out and there will people, there's not people I'm convinced get dressed in New York in the morning. They look outside and they, they serve, think, okay, it's this time of year. That must call for, you know, long coat, sweater or something. And then you walk outside and it's 80. Ah. And I'll see people. They're convinced. Yeah. It's just like, it's the season. I'm going to wear this. <laughs> Gosh darn it. I'm going to wear these clothes. Well, it's hot regardless. Cold, regardless. Because it's that time of year. So, but for me, well, it was fantastic because morning runs in Central Park. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. When the weather's a little chillier, and last week I run on a run and, and see these lights shining brightly, like a playing field or something. Lit and walk down, and it's 
a woman rink, the famous ice skating rink on Central Park that they had already frozen. And there were young kids out there with their coaches doing figure skating lessons mm. at 6 a.m. Mm. But it was nice. That made it feel like fall and winter. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, very cool. Very cool. So I thought today we'd, we'd tackle a topic we haven't talked about before, which is happiness. Mm. <laughs> you say that like you're longing to be happy. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I'm saying it, Andy, because I think about it a lot. And I think about it as it's something I think is, I, I think it's really important. I think it's, it's something that I it definitely work on on a daily basis. I mean, I'm happy. Like I, I'm fortunate that I typically go to bed happy. I wake up happy. I, my resting state is happy. Um, but when things are difficult or when there's stress and there's a definite amount of stress as a VP of sales, I really want to be imperturbable. I, I want to be able to, to go with it and not let my internal state be rocked. So I really, I love this topic. Okay. And we're, we're giving you five bonus points for saying imperturbable. <laughs> I do. I get it. Is yeah. that a big word? Yeah, you, I think so. Yeah. We'll have to we'll write that down, but I mean, that, that could be a, a Scrabble word for the day. You may be the winner. So, All right. All right. All excellent. right. All right. Well, the reason this topic came up is because I'm reading this book. Uh, I really am enjoying it. I'm not completely through it, but the book is called The Happiness Track. Mm. The subtitle is How to Apply the Science of Happiness to Accelerate mm. Your Success. And written by, uh, I believe, a professor, a psychiatrist at Stanford University named Emma Seppala. And it makes a very strong case that sort of, we have to have everything sort of turn on its head. You know, we tend to think that that life and work becomes this rite of passage, and if we're not stressed, then obviously we're not trying hard enough, right? And that the only way to really succeed is to to always be on, always be connected, you know. Mm-hmm. And and what she's saying is that yeah, the science is really showing that that's the the opposite is true. Is that if we're coming from a place of calm, a place of centeredness, a place of focus, that our ability to be more successful at work, as well as in life, goes up. So I thought we'd, we'd sort of talk through some of the points that she raises. And, and I'd, love, I'd love to hear them. I think this is so important for, I mean, I just think for myself, to, well, have, uh, to have a great life. I don't want to be stressed. Sure. But, I mean, this is usually a show about sales. And, yeah, certainly in the current sales environment as we see you know the model changing more inside sales more data driven more metric and kpi driven that i believe you know the level of stress all up and down the the chain and sales has been ratcheted up fairly substantially and yeah i believe it's ultimately self-defeating for us so but anyway we'll get to that but uh, so early in the book she talks about some studies that have been done about stress and that one that was done you know, within the last couple of years claimed that 58% of people surveyed, and this is a fairly broad national survey, 
claim that self-report, their level of stress is rising. Mm. That's just, yeah, across. And then Gallup did a poll fairly extensively, the Gallup organization in 2014, of people at work. And their findings were that 50% of employees report that they are unengaged at work. So that's their present, but uninspired. Mm. And 20% are actively disengaged, meaning mm. present, but unhappy and unproductive, obviously. So mm. for you know, more than two thirds of the workforce, yeah, sort of checked out in place. So, you know, she's saying that, that I thought was sort of the key point is she said that decades of research have shown that happiness is, is not the, and this is a quote from her is happiness is not quote, happiness is not the outcome of success, but the precursor unquote. Happiness is not the outcome of success. It's the precursor. Yeah. And saying that's backed by mm-hmm. research, which certainly the book has, has that uh, and cites it. But interestingly, that's, that's, that's that really source <laughs> has inverts the pyramid, right? Where we tend to think that, that, yeah, we work hard all of our life so we can be happy, you know, acquire things. And, and mm. we all sort of know on a fairly, you know, notional basis that, yeah, we see all these people have been successful and acquired all these material possessions and so on. And yeah, they're not very happy at all. And I know that, I mean, it's interesting. You're right that she's sort of turning, um, turning what we believe on its head. And at the same time, when I hear you saying it, I don't want to wait until then or later or in the future to be happy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not willing to wait. I'm not willing to have it be a condition of something that I'm doing now to be happy. So what you're telling me really resonates with just sort of how I want to live my life and how I want to um, sort of interact with work and my emotional attachment to work. And you're right. It, uh, sales is a stressful role. The fact that 58% self-report that their stress is rising, I think is, is tragic in a way like that's alarming. That's disturbing that people are more stressed and why, why are people more stressed? Well, well, I think that's one of the things, and I've referred to this, before, and you and I have talked to this, is that I'd seen a study oh, within the last year that's, I don't think maybe AARP or somebody did it, that, that you know, surveyed people 65 and older, what's their biggest, single biggest regret in life as they look back? And they said that we worried too much. Mm. The number one thing is we worried too much. So here we have it coming from both ends, right? It's like, they yeah. could look back, you could look back as an older version of yourself to a younger version and say, stop worrying so much. But then we sort of have it, you know, part of our culture is that if we're not stressed, then, like I said, we're, we're, we're missing out, right? There's this whole fear of missing out thing that comes out. And interesting, what she says is, you know, that in the author of the book, Emma Seppala says, is that the net result is when we feel 
burnt out, right? When we've, uh, she <laughs> used a phrase that we accept overextension as a way of life, right? Because we're always connected. We're always on, we're always email, texting, social media. And even if we're doing that from, yeah, it's not even of a pleasure or recreational basis, it's still creating stress. But when we get burnt out, when we reach the end of the <laughs> sort of the line, uh, we blame ourselves for it. So it sort of becomes a self-perpetuating, create more stress over the fact we're stressed out. Mm. It's, do you feel like, do you feel like your stress has risen? Like, would you, would you be part of that 58%? No. I mean, I think that, that, and there wasn't a breakdown by ages and so on, but I, I think that, you know, I think that I felt stress more when my kids were younger. And I was at a different stage in my career, you know, was, mm. so, so yeah, so no, I don't, I don't feel it in the same, same way. Maybe I'm insulated against some of it, but, but I might still feel stress because I've got things I'm trying to accomplish, you know, in my life and for my family and so on. So it's not like it ever goes away, but I don't carry it the same way I did before. And I think that part of that is just experience and age. It's one of the benefits of age. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, there may be a lot of things that aren't good, but that's definitely one of the benefits of age is just being able to contextualize yeah, perspective. things. Perspective. Um, I love this. You, you said you're not, you you would recommend the book? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, based on what I've read so far, it's, it's uh, yeah, I'm having a hard time putting it down. I've just been really busy and traveling this week stressed out I'm about to read. <laughs> and what would you so is thinking about our audience here sure. and I just finished one-on-ones with one of my uh, sales managers and he was telling me that you know the team is feeling a lot of stress and you know and just are we gonna hit the number do we have enough leads coming in and all the usual things that salespeople and I feel too like I um, I understand that. How would how would this author? What would her recommendations be? Like how? Well, how do so we, she has she lists six myths of success. And okay. So I'll just, let's go through those quickly. So one is uh, never stop accomplishing, meaning you always got to be moving up, right? You always got to be moving forward. That uh, you know, you can't can't stay still for a second, right? Uh, number two myth of success is... That, the first one doesn't seem like a myth to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. No, I, and I guess it's an interesting one because I don't feel like I need to keep accomplishing in order to be happy, but maybe I do. Maybe I do feel that, actually. Well, it depends where you come from. As you said, the, how you contextualize it, because... For me, is yeah, I'm reading this book because it, I I came across a reference to it in a, in a blog I was reading. Why was I reading that blog? Actually, it was like I think linked from two blogs I'd started before that. I kept seeing interesting links. I'm just curious, right? For me, yeah. it wasn't wasn't about fear of missing out on something. But I think she says that a lot of this, you know, never stop accomplishing is is not people who are just you know, naturally curious. I want to keep on learning, but people feel that they have to, right? And I think that that's, 
you yeah, know, that's different. It's very different as, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I think there's something wanting to and feeling mm-hmm. that you really want to learn something and you're, you know, I'm just going to go down and follow these breadcrumbs and see where they go as opposed to, oh my God, you know, I've got to be learning this. I got to spend you know, an hour today reading this because if I don't, there's a consequence. And, and that's, yeah, the motivation is hugely different though. Right. So the second one she talks about is that there's a myth that you can't have success without stress, right? That we just have to suck it up. And what she talks about is that, yeah, stress is unavoidable in life, but we have to learn how to uh, rebound from stress. That's how she really defines resilience. You know, she gives this example about comparing us to, let's say, like a... Uh, What's the name of a, like a springbok, I guess, you know, a, mm. a African antelope that's being chased by a lion is that, yeah, they have the flight or f- fright or flight reaction. But as soon as they have avoided the lion, assuming they do, then they immediately go back to a calm state. You know, they're not sitting there thinking about, oh my gosh, was I lucky I got away from him that time? And what, what am I going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? Which is what we do as, as people, right? And so she says, yeah, one of the lessons she gets into later in the book with breathing exercises and so on is, yeah, how do we return ourselves to a more natural state between mm. moments of stress as opposed to just being on a, a high flat line all the time or an, an ascending Ascending scale of, uh, mm. of stress at all times. Yeah, great one. That's that's that really resonates. It's it's as I said at the opening um, of this episode that my resting state is happy. So if I have a way to continue to get myself to that resting state, that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's going to be peaks, but it, sometimes it takes me too long to get to that to get back to that place. Yeah. So uh, that number two, number three was, you know, we have this myth that we need to persevere at all costs. You know, we need to work until we're exhausted. Mm. Don't stop till we drop. Mm. And again, it's not the way things really work, right? It's, it's much more episodic and we have to learn how to, to work and succeed in those smaller chunks. Um, the next one I found very interesting, and we've talked about this before, is one of the myths of success is that you have to really focus, focus, focus on your niche. You, know, you have to know and absolutely everything. And you know, basically almost ignore everything else except what you're specializing in. Mm. And yeah, I, I've lived by the, the words of this Thomas Huxley. We talked about before who, you know, great quote was, you know, the, you, know, you want to, you want to know something about everything and everything about something. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's a great quote. Right. It's a great that's quote. A much better way than just, because what you're doing is, you know, part of the reason your stress goes up when you put all of your eggs into one basket that way is, yeah, what if it doesn't work? Yeah. Then her next one, number five was, you know, a myth of success is you have to play to your strengths, but the implicit, as she points out, the author, the implicit, message there to play to your strengths is avoid your weaknesses mm. and really you want to strengthen your weaknesses as opposed to avoid them and so that mm. becomes becomes you know, stress mm. and stress inducing for people you know if i get put mm. into a situation where i have to you know speak in public 
right? Yeah, I don't mind selling to somebody. I don't like to speak in public, let's say. That's not my problem. But, um, but I know lots of salespeople, right? They'll stand in front of a, two or three customers, no problem, but put them in front of a room of 100 people. So let's just use that example, right? It's, well, they'll avoid public speaking. But maybe that'd be the best way to take their career to the next level. And then the last thing she said, myth for success is that it has to be about looking out for number one, as opposed mm. to serving others. And mm. obviously that's, that plays big into sales too, right? If, if we're in sales and our whole motivation is I've got to hit my number as opposed to what am I going to do to really help my customers succeed? Mm. Then that also then becomes yeah very stress inducing as as you know, a barrier to happiness. So I, I yeah I thought that was is interesting because you know the net impact of all those those things are is certainly one is yeah they really harm and impede our ability to connect with others in a productive fashion, right? Because she points out is you know, what is happiness? Well, happiness is is basically a, a state of heightened positive emotions. And so those emotions help us connect with other people, right? When we're happy. Part of the reasons you're right. successful in sales is you're happy. And that, that uh, she refers to in the book is you know, that science is showing that's, that's actually contagious when you're talking to another person. Yeah, I had said to our VP of customer success is a really upbeat, optimistic, happy person. And every time I he comes in, he's always got a big smile on his face and how are you doing today? And it's great to see you. And I asked him yesterday, I said, Boaz, do you, do you wake up happy? And he said, oh, Bridget, Yes, I wake up and I think, oh my God, I'm I'm here. I made it to another day. Yes, I'm <laughs> happy. And he said, why, why are you asking me that? And I said, well, I tend to be the same way. And I really enjoy, ha- like I just, I always look forward to seeing you because moods are contagious. And I know that when I see you, regardless of my mood, you being upbeat, optimistic, and happy, it just lifts me. Mm-hmm. And so I just appreciate it. I just, uh, I look forward to it. I know that my encounters with you are generally positive. He's, he's upbeat and happy. And it, gosh, it's so helpful. That dynamic is so helpful. And I find for me, it's, um, I, like I said, I look forward to it. It helps me very tangibly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think if you think about the benefits of happiness and certainly the author spells out some, which you know, is, is that she sort of divided into three categories. One was, you know, intellectual level being happy helps mm. us learn faster, be more creative, better problem solvers. Psychologically it helps us be more resilient, bounce back mm. from stress. Socially obviously helps us connect and strengthen relationships. Mm. So I think if we sort of put this in, in back into a sales context and we think, okay, think about our SDRs who, you know, that, unfortunately, you know, sort of they're entry-level jobs and they're oftentimes positioned as, yeah, you just got to come in and gut it out and, and work your way through it. 
And given sort of the turnover rate, which what average duration is what, about roughly 12 months now on average for right. SDRs. Right. These aren't happy people. Yeah, they may be happy the first couple months, but I mean, if it's only lasting a year, you got to, at, at best, they're happy for half the time. And then it's like, oh my God, what's next? And that gets communicated to prospects. We think that doesn't have an impact on their ability to do their jobs well. Of course it does. And so this is, these are the people we have at the, the sharp end of the, of the spear for us, right? They're the ones out making these initial contacts with our customers. And I'd be willing to bet they are the least happy people in the organization. I don't know if that's true. Uh, well, think. Think about it. I am thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, on balance, that's what I said. Think about it. you got your reps. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. got their KPIs. they got their metrics. they got to make these calls. Success rate is pretty low. Yeah, just because there's you know, volume, volumes involved here. Um, yeah, it's it's a really tough environment. And I think, and I just wonder, I'll ask the question, I mean, you you deal with this on a daily basis as well, is, is yeah, are we are we putting them in a situation from a quote-unquote, yeah, not that, we're, not that we can be responsible for people's happiness, but creating an environment where, you know, this, this attention to happiness puts them in a better position to succeed. Well, I haven't read the book, but I, I think happiness from other things I've read is so largely internal and has a lot less to do with your external circumstances. It's the story that you tell yourself about the job that you have or the situation that you have. So I don't know. I, I don't know that necessarily they're less happy. I agree it's a, a grueling job, but I, I don't know. I guess I would say that sales is a grueling job. Well, yeah, and I didn't want to just focus on SDRs. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I've, I mean, I've, worked, having, I've, worked, I've worked for managers who you know, seem to take delight from making life a living hell for everybody on their sales team. Yeah, which I don't get. But it, I mean, you, you, you've, I'm sure read stories and studies about the, um, I mean, we don't really have people in toll booths anymore. We used to now it's all automated. <laughs> you go fast pass, you go through, but when you used to have people in the toll booths, it wasn't that long ago. Um, wasn't that long ago. And there were some, they were unusual, but there were some that were just surprisingly happy. Yeah. And they're doing the same job as the others. Yes. And I guess I look at Andy and I, I think two things. I think one, I do want to create for my team as many positive conditions as I can. Like I want to, I want to be mindful of making it an environment where it is easier for them to tap in to the, their own well of resilience and happiness. Like so I want to make it easier as opposed to harder. Um, and I think for myself too, is I, I want to be again, back to my big word, imperturbable. <laughs> like I, I, I want, I like how she, I can't wait to read the book. I like how she talks about, you know, these animals in the wild that they'll have some condition of stress but it's really how quickly they can get back to baseline. How quickly can I mm-hmm. get back to happy self? 
before, you know, the next stressful event. So I guess for my team, I want there to be less stressful. If I can help prevent stressful events, which I can't prevent all of them. No, no well, they're a fact of life, right? Especially, yeah, in, especially in sales. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, so she, and just a few minutes we have left, and we can sort of go, she talks about six keys of happiness, which she'll then, she goes into depth in the book, but as, uh, you know, one is learn how to live in the moment. Yeah, it's, we keep talking so about the, mindfulness yeah. and, and being focused. Yes. And, and interestingly, she brings out something I hadn't really thought about before, which makes complete sense when you think about it, is, is she says look, this ability to be in the moment, to, to live in the moment, to be focused on you know, the person you're having a, an interaction with, let's say, in the case of sales. So when that happens, what it does is it, it increases your charisma. Interesting, right? Because we talk about these things that are contagious. So you know this this mm. eye this eye contact that you make yeah, with someone. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you think about that from a salesperson standpoint. You know, not being distracted, not being trying to multitask, not being focused on the next question they have to ask, but really being focused on the customer. You increase your attractiveness. Yeah, and, that's wonderful. And Amy Cuddy talks about this in her book Presence as well. I mean, it's this is something that that. It was just basic, um, which also speaks to why it's important to have, you know, do video calls and other cases where you can get in front of customers because, you know, that, that obviously increases your ability to, to demonstrate that charisma. We talked about tapping into resilience, uh, actually mm. a term that you used, and, and mm. the importance of you know, breathing exercises. Not necessarily meditation as, as much as she talks about it, but just regular breathing exercises that can help yeah. return you to that baseline state. Very simple uh, breathing exercises. Um, you know, says so one of the keys to managing your energy is to stop thinking about the things that went wrong or things that happened before, right? Stop. Uh, <laughs> I was going to use her big word, which I never use. I, but uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. This is Big Word Friday. Perseverate, perseverate, excuse me. Perseverate. I love that word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I do tend to perseverate. Yeah. 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 Way too much. Endless rumination about things that we could have done better and so on. And that's just, you know, it's energy sapping and and stressful. Um, So, you know, sometimes one of the keys to happiness, and this is a lesson for all of us, is sometimes you just have Mm. to do nothing. Uh, and that can be so hard for some of us. I'll say this person right here in Boston. It can be hard, but it's a good it's good practice. I, I try to do a lot of nothing on weekends. Yeah, and I've been what I've what I'm guilty of and is doing like on weekends in particular, is you know, I love watching soccer, uh, Premier, mm. Premier League soccer. It's on early in the morning, I'll you know, I've gone out, done a run or a ride or swim or something, come back. Open up my laptop, you know, work on my work on my newsletter for the week, and mm. watch soccer. And what I started doing is like, no, no, it's, yeah, put the put the newsletter aside. If you want to watch soccer, just watch soccer. Just do one thing. Yeah, and, it's really good. And make that a nothing, and and stop. And it, yeah, it, it helps actually quite a bit. Um, last two, be good to yourself, and. The last one which we've we've also brought previously on the show was show compassion to others. Mm. Make it a part of your life to 
yeah, be, be a service to others. Such a good one. Yeah. It's not all about us. Yeah. It makes you happier. Yeah. Those are great. Those are great. I'm looking forward to reading it. Good. Well, hopefully others will too. And I can uh, send us some questions if they have any about the book or comments about the book. Again, the happiness track, how to apply the science of happiness to accelerate your success and think about it in the context of sales as we, we did today is because, yeah, I remember working for a CEO that when he said the, the words, it was, he was so unusual compared to everybody else I'd worked for, where he said, said, yeah, I just don't believe in creating an environment where, you know, salespeople feel they have the, the old reference here, the sword of Damocles hanging over their neck. Uh, yes. I feel that every end of quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's and, when I feel it. Yeah. And he was true to his word. Mm. In fact, this is an organization that's $2 billion a year in revenue now, or virtually $2 billion. They don't really even have a sales organization. Wow, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah, people can do great work in that environment. And I think, so I think it's a challenge for us as those of us listening and involved in the show, and I said in the audience and you and I, you know, how do we, how do we be more conscious of the culture that we're creating and think that, you know, there's a really what we're doing today in many respects isn't working. Right. And we have a certain level of success we achieve, but if we look at some of the external indicators of it, you know, they don't say, wow, we're, we're being wildly successful. Right. So let's consider alternatives. I just, I think it's fantastic. Love it. And this is one. All right. Bridget, as always. Andy, that was great. I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I feel happier already. Perfect. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Good. Happy enough to come back next week? Happy enough to come back next week. Perfect. Well, that's what I live for. So, all right, Bridget, thank you. Friends, thank you for spending this time with us. And we look forward to having you come back next week for another episode of Frontline Friday. Wonderful. Looking forward to it. All right. Bye. Bye.